0: This is a podcast.
1: When we discuss Zelda games, we primarily think about the home console games, but that leaves out half the games that actually exist. Today, we're talking about eight Zelda games released on the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, DS, and 3DS, so we better not waste any time. Now grab the handheld Sheikah device of your choosing and get ready to hold Hyrule in your hands. If you
0: experience dry eyes, sore neck, or bloody thumbs, put down your handheld device immediately and contact Dr. Mario. All games do not actually take place in Hyrule.
1: Hello and welcome to the Drink In Geek Out Podcast, a show where we drink beer and geek out. I am your host, Saf, not Dustin, and alongside me is Keith. And it's just us. <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> Today's episode is featuring Second Shelf nope, Second Self, Self Triforce IPA, I believe. Yep. From Second Self Brewing, out of Georgia. And uh, we're talking about the handheld Zelda games, but before we get to that, we've got a pre-recorded beer segment from January twenty nineteen. So that's uh, <laughs> two and a half years ago. Long time, Keith and I. Keith and I tried this beer that Dustin brought us from Georgia, and it was Zelda themed. So we were saving it for a Zelda episode, and it seems like the perfect time to bust out that old recording. And I'm
0: glad we saved the recording and not the beer, and we're not drinking it live. Right exactly.
1: Now. That's why we already we mentioned in the in the uh, recording that the beer was already get getting up there in age. Yeah. By the time we recorded that, and the, imagine if it was oh jeez, it, it's that beer is probably four years old at this point. Ugh. <laughs> um, so we'll uh, cut over to that segment. The sound quality will be different, and uh, just get over it i guess
0: all right we're back with our another zelda beer and this one is called triforce from second self not shelf second self beer company out of atlanta georgia a newly imagined ipa from our team triforce is a slightly hazy ipa brewed with the triforce of malts oats wheat and barley and the triforce hops of hops Mosaic, Amarillo, and Cascade, these combine to create a unique IPA that has the hoppy aroma and flavor of papaya, mango, and other tropical fruits, with a soft, flavorful mouthfeel to balance this truly inspired beer, coming in at 6.1% ABV. It also says on here there's something about pairings on here, but I don't know. I feel like we would need Pale with that
1: to try to figure out what these are. Yeah, we really are. can't talk about that unless Pale was here. Yeah, that's true. Guys, I'm here. Wait! Oh, I'm here, guys. Pale! I, I can read it. Um, pale, here, so take my away? microphone. Why are you so far away? Oh, come okay. here. I'll read this real quick. Suggested pairings for the beer include tacos, barbecue, fresh vegetables, ceviche, fromage, blanc, and nostalgia.
0: Ooh, I got plenty of nostalgia.
1: Hey, Pale, what's from Agé Blanc? From Agé Blanc sounds like a cheese, <laughs> <laughs> white cheese, white cheese. <laughs> is the French. Thanks for calling me to do that. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks. Pale. Bye, bye.
0: <laughs> well, that was random.
1: <laughs> so the can, the can, yes, very green on one half, kind of tannish on the other half. It's on the. Kind of looks like the original Zelda, it, like the sand. Yes, right there it's like with the overhead. The trees, hop trees. It's on the one side, it says Triforce IPA, Power, Hoppy, Courage, Hazy, and Wisdom, Power, Courage, Wisdom, the three yep. triangles of the Triforce. And then the main logo is the Triforce of Hops, and it's got a little... Santa Claus looking guy <laughs> in the one hop. It does like a little gnome or something. Yeah. Like he's, it's supposed to be Zelda, but holding he's it got up a in the air, yeah. beard. So he's a typical IPA drinker. <laughs> he's I like a- how it's got the little sword on one side over there by where your finger is. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then it's got the guy there too. Oh, yeah, in it does. yeah. They had to put a beard on him to fight copyright. Mm-hmm. And he, the guy in the Triforce has the, like the boss key and he's got a couple upside-down bombs. Nice. And, like, some boomerangs. All the stuff to form a hop. Like, they use the graphics from the game to make, like, the that is the awesome. leaves of the hop or whatever. It's a really cool can. One of the best. And then, like, Made in Georgia has one of the Zelda hearts for his life. So, just a really cool can. It says it's dangerous to go alone, which is a popular phrase from the from, first Zelda. Yep. Is that where he gets his sword? Yep. For the first time. Take this. Take this. There it is. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this.
0: So we look at the color.
1: I would imagine Triforce color here. It's pretty golden. Definitely Triforce gold. If that was still a color, I think it got deleted from our mix. Most likely. There's it's kind of like orangey gold. It's got a little floaties in it. It is older. Yeah. Aside. We sat on this one for a while. It took a while for Dustin to donate it, and then it took us a while
0: to get to drinking it, so... It almost looks a little bit like jelly. The stuff that's there isn't moving. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a little gelatinous, so this could be a chunky drink. It might be bad. <laughs> we'll try to judge by Bill's face in the corner. <laughs> oh, he left. Oh, he left. <laughs> He's not here. Smell. Yep, No, I went to the smell. It's uh, a little bit hazy. You get that hazy smell. You get a little hop on your nose. I don't want to say stale hops, but uh, it's hard to tell. Hoppy hazy. It doesn't smell super fresh, but we'll see if that alters the flavor at all. Just like a little bit of malts is yeah.
0: I liked in the description how it said the the triforce of malts and then the um, triforce of hops. So three malts and that's three cool. hops. So that was pretty cool. Oats, wheat, and barley, and mosaic, Amarillo, and Cascade.
1: All right, here we go down the steps. It's not bad. Yeah, it's definitely lost a little bit of that juiciness because oh, yeah. it's been sitting on a shelf for six to eight months. But it's still, still get the idea. It's just not up to par. Mm-hmm. A little bit bitter on that back end. Mm-hmm. I think that's just from
0: an old IPA yeah. that those hops those, were sitting too long. That
1: juice, that mango papaya flavor kind of gone by the wayside and now all you're left with, with is the hops. But we couldn't go through a whole Zelda episode without mentioning this awesome Triforce beer. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean these guys hit it right. I loved it
0: when Pale was here, you know, serving up pairings with uh, nostalgia.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. They got like the eight bit artwork on this can. That's so cool. Oh that those twos are the second shelf.
0: Oh it logo.
1: is. Since Pale left, now I gotta look it up
0: on untapped. Wasn't prepared for that.
1: I got it. Oh you do? Um 2,882 ratings with an average of 3.73, mostly cans, with second bean draft. Nope, I don't got no friends. You will soon.
0: (laughs) It's dangerous for you to check this in alone.
1: (laughs) Uh, Corny. Kind of like this beer. Oh, good point. (laughs) Don't forget to snap a pic. I forgot. Keep my badges up. Brit says, meh, middle of the road IPA and no brewed on date. I'm suspect 3.5. That's the It's p- okay. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Th- that's the problem I've been having is I find these cans at liquor stores and they never have the date on them. Oh, I hate that. And it's like, okay, how long has this IPA been sitting on this shelf? It's dusty, so it's obviously been here a while. Mm-hmm. Nobody's touching it. so maybe It's like it- they purposely rub out the... Right, the
0: date on the can. So they, oh yeah, we just got that shipment in. I'm like shady liquor stores
1: here. You pour it out, in Indiana. You get all the chunks of the hops flopping into your can- mm. bottle or uh, glass,
0: splashing up on you. <laughs> Everybody wants a chunky beer. It definitely, not to quote pale here, but the mouthfeel It's it's not thin. It is pretty thick. Yeah. So when is. I said that it looked gelatinous, it wasn't wrong. Yeah. There's a thickness to it.
1: And I don't know if that's like the hops breaking down over time to kind of make a thicker mouthfeel, or it could be. the, with the type of malts that they used? It have a lot of oats in it, and I thought some yeah, of those oatmeal stouts were a little do bit have a thicker mouthfeel. Yeah, I think I'm ready to check her in. Be my guest. So I ended up giving it a four out of five, based on like the can, the artwork, the name, the whole idea behind it. I know in doesn't really taste like that right now, but I've had it a couple months ago, and it was a little bit better. I don't want to rate it too harshly, knowing that it's an older can, because that's our fault for getting to it late. So, just, like, taking everything into account here, I think it's a pretty solid beer. I'm curious what Pale would have thought Yeah. <laughs> if he would have checked it in. Oh, if he
0: just would have had it. I wonder if he checked it in before he left. <laughs> oh, yeah. he didn't? No. <laughs> Shoot. We are waiting on that friend to come along to check that in. <coughs> <laughs> um, not to go all hand-holding club, but I also gave it a four. Sweet. Um, again, the nostalgia. And mm-hmm. I think if it was a little bit better, it'd probably be about a four point... Or, excuse me, fresher. Freshier, yeah. Sorry, that sounded terrible. I'm sure it will be better when it's fresher. Four point two five, or definitely a four and a half. It's, it's a unique blend. The Triforce of the Oats, and, oh, or the, the, the Triforce hops. of the Malts, and the Triforce of the Hops, and... You don't want to get too hoppy, but the three put together, it blends pretty well. And it's interesting, that, that mouthfeel. So I don't know if that's the age of yeah. it, why it is so thick versus a very thin, because typically, you know, IPA, the juicy style, the thin juice that comes along mm-hmm. with it. But for it being to be, for it seeming to be pretty thick, I enjoy
1: that. It. It's pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't even seem like it was like, I mean, it does say hoppy and hazy, but it doesn't say like double dry hopped or anything like that, like they usually do for these New Englands. It just doesn't. IPA now the NIPA, so it is really kind of like almost syrupy in a way, like yeah. in with the in the viscosity. Oh, I, I have a incoming message. <laughs> Pale just checked it in. Wow, <laughs> <Whoop>. <laughs> he gave it a four. Also, he gave it a four. Pale. <laughs> it says nice juicy notes with a slightly creamy mouthfeel. Oh, there's those mouthfeel. <laughs> <laughs> You can't get through a check-in without saying mouthfeel. Yeah. <laughs> but that looks like we're in a hand-holding club, boys. We'll extend our hand towards Pale wherever he is. <laughs> <laughs> Out on <in> the ether. <laughs> I wonder what Dustin would have said. <laughs> I know he tried it. I don't know why he must yeah, have not he checked it in. never checked it in. But we thank you, Dustin, for the beer. Absolutely. And, and Pale for your parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that'll do it for this episode, so... Until next time, drink up and geek out.
0: I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkinGeekOut. You can also check out our show notes and other fun stuff on our website, DrinkinGeekOut.com. You can also email us any comments or suggestions at DrinkinGeekOut at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content. Find us there at patreon.com backslash drinkingeekout. And now, back to the show.
1: Alright, we are back from our little beer break and ready to talk about some games. So today we will be talking about Oracle of the Seasons and Ages from the Game Boy, the 2001 game. Four Swords, a little bit. The Game Boy Advance game from 2002. The Minish Cap, the Game Boy Advance game from 2004, Phantom Hourglass, the DS game from 2007, Spirit Tracks, the follow-up to Phantom Hourglass, uh, also on the DS from 2009, A Link Between Worlds, now we're on the 3DS in 2013, and Triforce Heroes, the 3DS game from 2015. We are not going to be talking about Link's Awakening, the original handheld game from 93, because... We're planning to do a talk about the Switch remake since mm-hmm. we've all own it and we all have played it or will play it soon. And we'll do a th- separate episode about that later, so no need to waste time on that now. Um and there's a couple other weird or uh, handheld games that we discussed on the weird Zelda games already back on episode twenty or episode two ten. We did like the tingle games and stuff, other oh, yeah. games. Those weird things. So, um we don't have to cover those on this episode. No. They're not worth covering. A a second time. (laughs) They don't really fit in the Zelda category anyway, because they're like weird off-shooting spinoffs. Oh, yeah. Um, So you want to take this little first part? Yeah.
0: So we'll jump right in, and we'll start off with Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages on the Game Boy Color, I believe. After experimenting with porting the original Legend of Zelda to the Game Boy Color, the flagship team supervised by Yoshiki Okamoto, Oka... Okamoto, yeah, began developing three interconnected Zelda games that could be played in any order. The complexity of the system led the team to cancel one game. Both seasons and ages were a critical success and sold 3.96 million units each. Critics complimented the gameplay, colorful designs, and graphic
1: quality, but criticized the inconsistent sound quality. We will cover the sound quality on A. Oh, yeah in Geek OST episode. <laughs> I was
0: uh, reading when they said the three games, they were trying to plot it after the three parts of the Triforce is what yes. they were going for. Kind of like a, it reminded me of uh, Pokemon on Game Boy mm-hmm. where you had red, blue, and red. green, and green never made it to the United States. It was Japan only, but this never made it I anywhere. F-
1: yeah, I think that would be a good idea to do like Zelda Wisdom, Zelda Power, Zelda Courage, like three separate games that interconnect now that the technology has improved. Oh, yeah. And it's possible. I feel like they should bring that idea back.
0: Well, the rumor mill floating around right now is that part of the Zelda 35th, they're going to remake this these games and bring it to that the Switch. Cool.
1: So, which would be nice. I think definitely worth worth that.
0: Yeah. In Seasons, the Triforce transports Link to the Land of Holdrum, where he sees Onox kidnap Din, the Oracle of Seasons. In Ages, the Triforce transports Link to Labrina, where Varan possesses Nehru. The main plot is revealed once the player finishes both games. Link is armed with a sword and a shield, as well as a variety of secondary we- weapons and items for battling enemies and solving puzzles. The central items are the Rod of Seasons, which controls the seasons in Holdrum, and the Harp of Ages, which lets Link travel through time in Labrina. Probably your favorite one. Before he (laughs) can infiltrate Onox's castle and Varan's tower, Link must collect the eight essences of nature and the eight essences of time, which are hidden in dungeons and guarded by bosses.
1: So I uh, attached a picture. I know you guys listening can't hear it, but I'll try to describe it. Uh, So in Oracle of Seasons, the environment changes based on the season, and that affects the gameplay a little bit. So in, the I think this is spring, you'll see this little flower is open, so you can jump on that flower and get to the next level. In summer, it's kind of, everything's closed off, same as fall. And then in winter, there's a tree blocking the path, and so in winter, the leaves have gone away, and now you can fit through there and uh, experience the new areas. Based on whatever season you've switched with your rod. That adds. I didn't get that. F-
0: a huge element to the game, then, that you can only go to a certain spot at a certain time. That'd be super yeah. annoying, but.
1: <laughs> but if you can travel. As as like, yes. So. And I, uh, and he's on the stump. In When you're on that stump, is the times you can use the rod. Mm. I did not get the rod yet because the game I had wouldn't save. Oh, so no. I only got an hour or so in. Um, but I did experience like at the beginning of the game you walk just like the seasons will change once you go to the next screen and sometimes they'll change like so it's kind of random randomized at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then once you get the rod you can control them. and then in ages it has similar things where it only changes twice though. It's either the present or the future or present or the past. I mean, right. So it's not as many options like in seasons where it changes four times. And then with the linked ending, after you play and beat both games, there is a password that will allow you to get to the final ending, where Twinrova captures Princess Zelda, lighting the Flame of Despair. Link enters a warp point by the Meiku Tree, which is basically the Deku Tree, I don't know. (laughs) and faces Twinrova, who is attempting to use the three flames to revive Ganon. Link defeats Twinrova and a mindless, poorly resurrected Ganon. He frees Zelda, and together they exit the crumbling castle after the credits. Link is seen waving to a crowd from a sailboat off the shore of a land with a castle in the background.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I know that they said um, these games were meant to be played like back-to-back, and mm-hmm. one of them supposed to be played first but they really don't lay any of that out so it's super confusing. Yeah, but one of them is like more puzzle based I think and the other one says is like more power based. So I think okay. like the puzzle based one was supposed to be the Triforce of Wisdom and then Oh, that'd be like yeah. Triforce of Power was A where power, you just slash probably. your way through and I think that's the time travel one and wisdom yeah, is the, that, the season one where you got to figure out puzzles. So one of them's mm-hmm. puzzle heavy, the other one's like more fighting
1: that which makes is sense.
0: kind of cool i'm curious what the third one would have been but
1: uh yeah courage it's probably scary spooky and scary spooky. <laughs> 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 and the uh, twin rova we've seen before those are the two witches i believe mm-hmm. that one's like ice and one's fire and they're somehow from the gerudo as well i think they kind of put put them in that area where ganon's ganondorf is from yeah moving on to uh, the four swords the cartridge contains a modified port of A Link to the Past, originally from SNES, and an original multiplayer-only game titled Four Swords, which serves as the ninth installment in the Legend of Zelda video game series. Um, I didn't play this one because it... I'm, you had to have other people to play with. Yeah, you had to have four Game Boys mm-hmm. and four, four or two Link cables, to, and then like the maxi tool to interconnect. It's so much stuff that you needed plus four copies of the game. But it would have been cool if I yeah, if they could have collected all those things. Honestly,
0: if they redid this one now with the technology that's in a yeah. Switch and play it online and pick three mm-hmm. other random people to uh-huh. hook up with or your friend list, whatever, um, that would be fun. In fact, the four mm-hmm. of us playing this game, if they brought that back right now, that would be yeah, hilarious. Yeah, it would be super fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so it's, in the multi player portion four swords features a gameplay similar to a link to the past with a focus on multiplayer in it two to four player i guess you could do it with two players but yeah. it, it is four swords not two swords <laughs> uh, must <laughs> cooperatively work through a series of puzzle laden dungeons while competing to collect rubies the player with the most rubies at the end of the level wins a special prize though all rupees are shared together in the long run so that adds a little fun like trying to beat your friends yeah some you, type of it, competition y'all you, you all succeed even though it um i collected the most rubies we we share them yeah all, all dungeons are randomized before play the dungeons have three levels in them with portal at the end of each level the first to reach it will be rewarded with a heart container an item that increases the player's health the third level is not a traditional dungeon but a boss battle once defeated they will return to the hub area hmm so it's cool that they had that traditional Zelda element too, like where you have to get through the thing and then beat the boss at the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, like we said, it was a great concept is just horrible in its design and it was yeah. too much of a flaw. You had to have three other people, you know, or at least one other. And sometimes that was hard to find other people who were Zelda fans at that day. Mm-hmm. At that time, it's not something you were at school be like, who wants to play video games, you know, getting <laughs> the crap beat out of you. Um, so I love the concept. I think it was just a bit ahead of its time. And and
1: they redid the idea, I think, and they expanded it on GameCube, but I think it still required you to have a mess of you still, like, Game Boy yeah. Advances or something. Yeah,
0: instead of using, I think one person could use a GameCube controller, but there had to be at least one Game Boy Advance plugged in. So you had to have yeah. a Game Boy Advance system plugged into your GameCube to do it. And if you wanted four people, then you had to have four different games, four Game Boy Advance games plugged into one yeah. GameCube. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Racking up money. Just put money. it out on Switch so we can all play it. Exactly. Online. It would be so much easier. That takes us to the next game on our list, which is the Minish Cap, which is a Game Boy Advance game. The Minish Cap Mm -hmm. is the third Zelda game that involves the Legend of the Four Sword expanding on the story of the Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures, which was the GameCube one. A magical talking cap named Ezlo can shrink series protagonist Link to the size of the Minish, a bug-sized race that lives in Hyrule. The game retains some common elements from previous Zelda installments, such as the presence of Gorons, while introducing kinstones and other new gameplay features, most notably the ability for Link to shrink in size. The Minish Cap was generally well-received among critics, it was named the 20th best Game Boy Advance game in an IGN feature, and was selected as the 2005 Game Boy Advance Game of the Year by GameSpot. The game contains a developmental in-joke of the Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons titles and an optional side quest which sees the players aiding three female travelers from distant lands who are looking for a place to stay. These characters are Din, Nehru, and Faror, from the Oracle titles. The player will only be able to provide housing for two of the three women, and although their landlord makes reference to building a third house for the third woman, this never occurs in the game. The description given for Furore and her in-game figurine also mentions that people take advantage of her, which makes her upset. This relates to the third planned Oracle game surrounding Furore Oracle of Secrets, which was scrapped. Interesting. So they're trying to set up a little spin-off there.
1: Yeah. I thought that was funny that they brought that idea back. Um, so this one I did play, I played all the way through. I beat this one actually very recently and it, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite Zelda games at this point. I mean, especially handheld ones. Uh, there's the shrinking element, which allows you to either shrink so you're like just a little guy running around in the environment, or you'll shrink down and actually experience things differently because you are. You can go into like temples and. Uh, explore new dungeons that way. Yeah, I think there's... uh, Small versions. What
0: I saw, like, you could shrink down, like, inside one of the bad guys. Like, when you're in the mid-fight. Like, you have to go inside and, like, attack his internal organs or something's on the inside, and it kicks you out, and then you got to go back in. and So that's pretty cool.
1: That was a really cool boss fight. And and you can, like, climb on bookshelves. There's a bunch of different side quests you do in Castle Town by shrinking down and, like, crawling in, like, little mouse holes almost. Are those the minish...
0: Is that what they're yeah. called? The Minish? Min- yeah. Yeah.
1: Or the Picori or oh, something Yeah, that. that was it. You're Minish it because you're shrinking. Oh, I get it. <laughs> um, then there are uh, m- multiple links. So as you go- you collect like four things that, throughout the game like you do in most Zelda games, so after you collect the first one, now you have the ability to stand on these certain areas and multiply into two links to solve puzzles. Mm. And then by the end of the game, once you collect all four, you can be four different links and you can move heavier objects and like, I don't know, solve different puzzles by only in certain areas where you can stand on this thing and multiply. Uh, so that's a pretty cool uh, thing. And that brings it back to the four swords connection. Yeah. But you control all four of them. They added these kin stones, which are which are pretty cool. So you, it, they're kind of like the BFF necklaces where the hearts <laughs> fit together. Yeah. But they're different stones that you just find like under a bush or, like after you kill somebody, they'll drop it and it, you'll get half. And then you go up to somebody and press like the select button, and they're like, "Oh, you want to fuse kin stones?" <laughs> yeah. And it'll it'll give you a special reward or open up a new thing in the level or something. So. That's cool. Um, I heard
0: it like gives you uh, light arrows or something that you could use for the last boss battle, but it's not well yeah. laid out for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I even ever talked to that person because it's th- like basically every NPC in the game you can fuse kinstones with. And sometimes you have to do something else before they will oh my do gosh. it with you. So, so it's pretty tedious. <laughs> y- you have to keep exploring the area and talk to everybody over and over so if I played this, <laughs> I'd still be playing it right now. I'd be like, I'm talking <laughs> <Yeah>. to
0: everybody.
1: <laughs> That's what, It took me forever because I was just like, kept going down, around every environment once I got to like the final boss. Like right before I got there, I was like, let me go talk to more people and see what else I can do. Hmm. And then there's this stupid magic shells element. Um I like the 130 figurines idea. All the figurines are pretty cool looking, but you have to collect all these magic shells and then it's like a lottery s- system where you go into it and give them to a guy and each time you have to give him more magic shells in order to for the probability of getting a new figurine. Mm. And so there's like infinity shells that you collect them like rubies, but um, you just have to keep trading them for figurines and the figurines don't really do anything. So there's no need to do any of this it's it's
0: just something
1: silly collectible to keep you playing i guess yeah Yeah. i was
0: gonna say at first it sounded like the magic shells from Link's awakening exactly to collect those but you get something you can see the tier markers for that but Mm -hmm. this just seems completely random you just get something crazy
1: yeah you just trade them in and you get a figurine that does nothing it's just it sits on a shelf in this guy's house basically <laughs> so you can come and look at it so but he keeps it, it. <laughs> yeah it doesn't do anything that's uh, why it's like one of the dumber collectible things in the games yeah that's ridiculous would you like me to read about phantom hourglass sure the player controls link and explores the world to find new items information and allies to help him save his friend tetra and defeat the antagonist bellum so this takes place right after wind waker i believe it's like you're the same character design you're on this a red boat it's a different it's not the red lion but i mean oh yeah you can upgrade the boat yeah and stuff. it did
0: happen right after wind waker it's a direct it, sequel same characters
1: yeah he's like on an exploration mission to find new land i think mm-hmm the, the game is divided into two gameplay types, sailing between islands and exploring the islands and their, dun, jun, their dungeons on foot. While on land, Link discovers and utilizes many items, including the boomerang and bow and bombs. Oh, when sailing, uh, the game shows a map of an area. And this part's pretty annoying. On um, So the Nintendo DS top screen shows the map and the bottom screen, you can actually do stuff and like shoot cannons and stuff. Mm. But then you can... All you do is you like slide down the map to the bottom screen, draw your path with your DS stylus, Hmm. and then your boat goes on that path, and you explore and do different things along the way, shoot guys, or it's. I guess it's a little better than the Wind Waker, where you're constantly just sailing, and you can actually just like set a path and let it go. Yeah, and then enemies will approach you while you while you're sailing. Of course, Um, in one make it easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh one area you have to draw the path correctly kind of like a lost woods type thing you have to go Uh around this item and then under this one and stuff so they do play with it and do more interesting things um so the uh blah 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 to travel between islands and the great sea the player controls a paddle steamer called the ss lineback the player can plot a course by drawing on the sea chart like i said avoid obstacles all that I basically said I'm going to read it. Uh, Phantom Hourglass introduces the game mechanic of a large dungeon central to the game story. In case of the temple of, in this case, the temple of the Ocean King. Link visits the temple multiple times during the course of the game story in order to obtain sea charts that open up new areas on the in the ocean. I think there are f- four different areas to explore so you have to go to this temple four times in order to collect all the maps Mm. Uh, throughout the game the temple has a curse placed on it that drains link's life whenever he's inside but upon obtaining the phantom hourglass link is able to explore the temple without being affected by the curse for as much sand as you have in the hourglass so it's a limited amount of time game also includes a one-on-one multiplayer battle mode In, in an arena or one player controls link and the other Player on defense controls the three Phantom ga- Phantom Guardians, which I did not experience any of that. But I did play the game. I did not like the central temple that you have to keep going back to because one, it's timed, so you have to be fast mm-hmm. <laughs> or and so you don't you can't like play around and solve puzzles and look for treasure and stuff. You have to like go get the job done. And um I don't know, that that kind of annoyed me. But also, like the first two or three times you go there, you have to keep going through the same area t- to get to the next level of the temple. So, it it's just eating time playing through a level you already went through. Ugh, too repetitive. Yeah, it's. I think Spirit Tracks does it a little better, which we'll get to momentarily. Yeah. In addition to the curse, Link must contend with the uh, phantoms, a type of enemy exclusive to the temple. Uh, the phantoms are invincible. They kind of just like walk in a simple path and they have like a zone where they'll see you. So you have to make sure you stay out of their eyesight and there are different little glowing safe zones where you can go Mm. and they won't see you there. Or if they do spot you, you have to run to one of those zones and then they'll be like, where'd you go? And they'll walk (laughs) away. (laughs) But if you can't get to a safe zone, they one hit kill you every time. Ugh, That's annoying. Um, Yeah. So as you progress through the game, you access deeper levels um and you can stay inside the temple for a longer amount of time eventually you get to those warp after you get so far in the temple you'll get to a, one of those little glowy warp things that take you back to the entrance mm-hmm. so you can warp there every time and not have to go through the, all the first five floors again that's nice yeah temple including puzzles within will reset whenever link leaves but as he obtains new items and unlocks new ro- new routes and shortcuts that enable him to travel through the temple quicker, all is done similar to a dungeon crawler. So, hmm. uh, I haven't finished this game because I got annoyed. I'm still in... I think I'm, all, I'm in the final time through the temple, and I ran out of time in my phantom glass. <laughs> so I just kind of gave up at that point because yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, I'm just dying as I stand there. Yeah, I heard
0: uh, when I... I read up on this game that they weren't a fan of this the temple idea like on paper it sounded like a good idea but when you're actually mm-hmm. playing like okay this number one i would have quit well before you because it's like if i have to keep doing this crap over and over again it gets yeah, really you annoying. keep solving
1: the same puzzles and stuff yeah it's kind of annoying. it's like nope not
0: worth my time
1: and by the time i get back to the temple again it's it's been a couple of weeks because i've I only pick it up every now and then to play the game. It's not because it's on the handheld. Whenever I get bored, I'll pick it up. And then it's been three weeks. I'm like, how do I solve this puzzle again? Yeah. Wait, what was I doing? What part of this? What, what, what am I in the middle of? So, I mean, that was annoying.
0: I'm curious if since uh, when I read that this was like a direct sequel to Wind Waker, I think I don't know if they're just cashing in on Wind Waker's back. If this was like the first handhelds after that game, I think it was on the DS. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so I probably sold pretty well, but I don't, it's not well liked by many people from what I've read.
1: It got pretty good reviews, but I think it just does not hold up super well. Yeah. And like the controls are annoying because you, you move Link with the stylus. So you have to draw a path basically Ugh. just while you're walking and he just follows the stylus along the screen and then to attack enemies, you just like circle, quickly and slash and flash, on, yeah. the, on the screen and there's Ugh. just too much of that i'd rather just control with the uh, like buttons yeah
0: and probably be a lot better
1: drawing a boomerang path okay that makes sense sure like, okay this is where i want the boomer okay but i have to draw everything, <laughs> like, everything. every time i want link to move i, I have to <laughs> hold down this stylus it's uh, annoying all right so moving on we have spirit tracks
0: which came after this and i think yep. it's going to fix a lot of the problems that <laughs> um phantom hourglass had here since it continues the style of gameplay from phantom hourglass at which players use the stylus to control link and use weapons and items the game is divided into an overworld which link traverses using the spirit tracks and towns and dungeons which he travels by foot the player alternates between exploring the overworld and exploring towns and dungeons in order to complete the game's main story but may opt to complete side quests for further rewards In the overworld, Link is able to direct his train across land with the ability to control speed in forward or reverse direction to turn at track intersections and blow the train's whistle to scare animals off the tracks. As the game progresses, the player opens up more of the map. In certain dungeons, the ethereal Zelda can inhabit phantom guardians. Several puzzles of the game require the player to manipulate Link and the Zelda-possessed phantom to complete a goal. So I think the... story with this is like somebody inhabited Zelda's body the demon lord or whoever it was and then she's just a spirit and they said this one is yeah, more she... like a fun
1: anime style it's kind of crazy she ba- she's kind of like a ghost uh she gets kicked out of her body and just like attaches onto Link cuz he's he's the only one there and so he's like your little Navi uh, okay uh fairy person that there's always follows idea. you around and yeah, gives you tips and tricks and but she's also actually kind of useful because you can inhabit those phantoms that are guarding the dungeons with her and like move them around and solve puzzles that way. That's kind of cool. Um, I think the train is a better mechanic than the the boat because you can like change the speeds, you can reverse, you can still shoot your cannons, and you have to deal with things on the track. It's a little bit more fun um and this go ahead
0: i was just gonna say it seems a lot more linear like you just have tracks and you have to follow it i think it cuts out that but there's different branching
1: patches uh different branching tracks that you can Mm -hmm. you can choose to go on and there are like uh, demon trains or something Hmm. there are also i don't i think they're called demon trains they're basically enemy trains that are on the track that you have to avoid maybe you can fight them at some point but i haven't got to that point hmm. uh, i i died i on one of the boss fights and i have not finished it yet but uh, so this one also has the central dungeon idea it's like a big long tower but there are there's an elevator that takes you to the next level so once you go back to it you can just skip to the next part and you don't have oh, to go smart. running through and I was like oh this is such a better way to do it I like smart. this game a lot more <laughs> and it and it's also doesn't have the timer so you can Ugh. take as long as you want in there so uh it definitely improves that aspect so I I enjoyed this one more I think this got a lower score It's still got the annoying same touch screen mechanics and yeah. all that but I I got used to them but at the time I got to this game
0: I'd imagine it got lower score because it was too similar to the previous one, probably, and they said it didn't really branch out, so
1: too similar, uh more linear, I think, mm-hmm. so it's but I enjoyed yeah, what I played of it. good. Let's talk about a link between worlds, a game you actually played, yep. and you can have some insight into <laughs> uh, besides just watching some videos. Players control a young boy, his name is Link. He's new to the series. Oh, wait. He's been in every game we talked about so far. He embarks on an adventure to rescue the seven sages and defeat Yuga, not to be confused with a Yiga. Ugh. Uh, the game's primarily antagonist. Um, the game is set in two kingdoms high rule, low rule. Get it? High low. <laughs> <laughs> Both of which bear a non linear structure and similar layout, but consist of. Uh, a contrast in style and tone a link between worlds is a successor to the 91 uh, link to the past game we talked about earlier and is similar in many aspects which is what i liked about it Mm -hmm. unlike previous games the methods of obtaining and using the combat items is different rather than finding them in dungeons they are rented and purchased from the merchant ravio who's like a bunny or purple hooded guy um <laughs> if link dies his rented items will return to ravio they also do not require ammunition instead they use a uh, energy gauge so um uh, let me read this and then i'll say what i was gonna say uh, progression progression through a link with worlds is more open-ended than previous titles with the possibility of tackling many of the game's dungeons in any order certain dungeon obstacles will require the use of the rented or purchased items but they're all available to purchase at, or rent at any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a unique mechanic is Link's ability to merge into walls and move horizontally like a little painting along them. Uh, Link is presented as a mural when he is merged on the wall and the game's perspective switch switches into a side-scrolling view in order to follow Link around corners. The mechanic can be used to traverse the environments, which seemingly... Uh, reach seemingly in- inaccessible areas, avoid, hazard- ha- avoid hazards, solve puzzles, and travel between high rule and low, low rule via fissures that connect the two kingdoms, mm-hmm. which are like glowing cracks in walls. Yep. In a Link to the Past, I don't know how recently you've played that game. Mm-hmm. When you f- travel to the dark world for the first time, you turn into like a pink rabbit uh, until you get like a certain item that allows you to be the Link. But Ravio is like a pink rabbit that lives in Link's house. Ah, I never knew that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he is the, I can't remember how this game ends or the story, but I think in in the end you find out he's like the low rule version of Link that has come over and is like living in Link's house in Hyrule. Yeah, that sounds very familiar
0: but it's kind of neat. I I like the concept of this one um, because you have this game and you let me borrow Mm -hmm. it and I ended up playing it. Um, It it was just fun because it wasn't very linear. You could choose which dungeon and it... Cause I know a lot of people complaints with these old style Zelda games is you have to do this temple first. And so you get this item that's unlocked there that you have to use in the next temple to use this item and then this yeah. has to be unlocked. You just go back to Ravio um, and get whatever you need, as long as you have your rupees or rent, you know, different things back and forth to him. That it it works, I think, so much better. Um, it kind of opens it up a little bit more and allows that exploration. And I love the whole little 2D thing where you're flat on the wall. Yes. And kind of move that, that way.
1: That's a cool mechanic that they added. And I would be interested to see how they, if they use that again or something similar to that.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, it, it reminded me now, much later, of uh, Mario Odyssey, a game that we talked about before where you'd mm-hmm. go down the pipe and you'd turn into the old Mario. In yeah. that 2D kind of realm to get from one spot to the next. So that's pretty that,
1: cool. I wish now that I think about it, that he would have turned into the 2D Zelda mm-hmm. or 2D Link from Zelda 2 yep. where you are side-scrolling. That would be awesome. <laughs> but I, It is a, a 3DS, so I know it's limited capabilities, but it has more capabilities than the NES, which oh, that yeah. game was played on. So which, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they should be able to pull that off. Oh, yeah. So one reason this is my favorite handheld game or Zelda game is because it is the exact same map from a link between world or a link to the past. It's a like direct sequel to that game. It uses all the same kind of feature. Like it's laid out exactly the same. The music is all very similar, just mm-hmm. updated. So, uh, I loved that.
0: Yeah, that was helpful. Cause when I started playing, I'm like, haven't I played this before <laughs> <laughs> without doing any research on it whatsoever? I just remember you're like, here, play this. I'm
1: like, Ooh, this mm-hmm. is fun. Mm-hmm. It just instead of the dark world, because in A Link to the Past you have the light light side and the dark side. and this, it's the high rule and the low rule, it's, mm-hmm. but if they act similar. It's basically a darker version of the world we're used to. Yeah,
0: updated game with the updated technology on the 3DS. So, well done. Definitely recommend that one. Plus the name is just too perfect. A link between worlds, because mm-hmm. you're the link who's the link between these two worlds it's like oh my gosh it just like perfect
1: they should use his name in titles more (laughs) yes link to the wild (laughs) (laughs) uh it could be breath of the
0: wild too as of this recording has title has not been released yet (laughs) all right as long as it's
1: not breath of the link breath of the (laughs) link (laughs) link's breath (laughs) Yeah, that's better. Final game.
0: All right, our last game on our list that we got to talk about today is the Triforce Heroes on the 3DS. The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes is a cooperative action-adventure game in which three players control differently-colored versions of a, of series' protagonist Link A figure and join forces to (coughs) fight enemies and solve puzzles (laughs) also what else would you expect in a zelda game (laughs) similar to previous multiplayer zelda titles such as the four swords adventures players must work together using the items they receive at the start of each level to help each other progress one of the key puzzle solving techniques is stacking the three player characters on a totem pole allowing the top player to reach higher elevations attack enemies and be thrown across gaps and perform other actions Another game mechanic involves collecting items in order to craft outfits that grant the characters various abilities. Players share a heart meter with all the players losing one of their life fairies should the meter run out. So if you have a horrible player playing with you that's constantly falling off cliffs, yeah. running into enemies, you're all screwed. <laughs> so you got to find friends that have good abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh That's a fun challenge, I guess. Um, The game supports both local and online multiplayer gameplay, wherein players use icons on the touchscreen to communicate with each other, as well as a competitive Colosseum mode. A single player can also play the game by controlling a doll-like companions called Doppels in place of additional players, though the main mode does not support two players without a third.
1: Which is annoying. Yeah. Uh, So uh, I do own this game. I've played it a little. I don't love it. It's not your typical explore and collect and all that. It's just, you're running through dungeons and trying to get to the end with the help of people. Uh, I tried it online multiplayer once and I, I was obviously playing with like seven year olds that were just like doing whatever the hell doing they, what they want. Yeah. <laughs> so like it did not work out very well. So I started just playing it on my own where I control all three, uh, links and the doppels and all that. And that, it's it's tough you really need someone one or, or you need two other people that know what they're doing that you can communicate with and you really all need to be in the same room it'd be another good switch game Yes, but you all kind of have to be in the same room where you're like okay you go over there and do that and i will do this part so that way we can work together yeah and and uh
0: c- i was gonna say this is where nintendo needs to introduce the wireless mic system yes. that every other gaming system has <laughs> that you can communicate with players online but i know yeah. since they have a lot of kids playing that opens up a whole new realm of problems but eh, rate this game m for mature there we go because
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can sort of communicate by hitting like a button where it says like come here or yeah. go there and like word very bubbles. limited yeah. word bubbles good job uh, and but doing it up. by yourself yeah is very difficult cuz you got to like move the guy into the place you need him to be and then set up the whole like chain of reaction where you shoot this thing and then you have to like interact switch to the other link and then interact with it before it disappears or whatever so it it it's it's a pain to do it by yourself it's doable they do allow some timing where you can Catch up if you're switching between players. Yeah. Uh, but it's not super fun that way. Yeah.
0: It's definitely meant to be played multiplayer. Yeah. But I, it's kind of neat that they went instead of four, it's down to three
1: uh, different yeah. lengths. Three makes sense if they're going with the tri- Triforce thing. So three makes sense. Yeah. But you're, you're all link. It'd be kind of interesting if you were different. If you're like Link, Ganon, and yes. Zelda, you're the three pieces of the yes. triforce. you have to work together. <laughs> you have together. to work together.
0: Oh, that would be hilarious. That sounds like a new game. Nintendo, if you're listening, and don't cancel us, <laughs> <laughs> do that. That'd be fun. Yeah.
1: We have lots of ideas. If you've listened to this episode, we've <laughs> given you two or three. Yes. Uh, I know you're not really making handheld games anymore. I don't think you have a handheld system currently besides switch
0: switch itself is handheld yeah. it technically is it's not really a it's, home it's, console it,
1: yeah it's 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 a bit of both but i guess switch Lite is all handheld Hmm. so yeah i i hope they do remake as you said the oracle games i do want to play those like i think uh link's awakening remake actually did really well for them yes it was super popular the graphics in that game are really good oh it's amazing <laughs> and and it's fun to actually get to play that and not be stuck on the little game boy black and white screen so yeah it really brings it to life in this new colorful artwork they've used which we'll talk about in next month maybe i don't know when we're getting to that episode hopefully soon uh, it'll be our next zelda
0: discussion for sure when when pale decides to play it i guess yeah i don't know as dustin started it
1: I don't think he has. Uh, I don't think so. All right. We got to get playing them playing too in that. Breath of the Wild. I know they both own it, so we will get to it. Yep. Uh, I have this little ranking of the top, or I mean, it's the overall ranking of handheld games link. There it is. It's a different link. I'm just going to scroll down to like the top three. <laughs> so number three is actually the <laughs> Tingles Balloon Trip of Love. <laughs> oh, no. <Ugh. laughs> Which I don't know what that says about these other games. Maybe, I think, who is this? Thegamer.com. I don't know what this website is. Maybe that's kind of being a bit cheeky. Yeah. Uh, But number two is A Link Between Worlds. And number one is Minish Cap, which were my two favorite of the handheld games. Yeah.
0: I would have to agree after watching videos and reading up on all these that definitely, since I've played A Link Between Worlds, that one, um, and the Minish Cap looks to be the most fun um out of the rest of those games but you kind of sold me on spirit tracks that one i kind of want to check out but yeah i still don't like the whole stylus and
1: that it it gets
0: annoying that turned me off
1: i'll let you borrow all these i have i have an extra ds and i have a extra 3ds (laughs) (laughs) I was just looking over at the corner because I have them piled over there for <laughs> a picture later. And I was yes. like, yeah, I have I have two 3DSs. I have the old DS. I have an old Game Boy Advance. So, See, I, I don't know. You can definitely borrow them if you want to play them.
0: W- with me, it's like I never went the handheld route with Nintendo ever since Game Boy Pocket was my last purchase. Mm-hmm. And then I played the crap out of Pokemon on that thing. And then I never... Went back to it because Pokemon or the Game Boy was at the end of its life, and then it went to um, the GameCube. I think we kind of jumped. I know Game Boy Advance yes. was in there, but 2001, like GameCube, um, came out, and that's what I was saving up my money for. And then I got into Smash Brothers, and I never really went back to any of the handheld stuff. I did get the Game Boy Advance adapter for my GameCube to yes. play like one or two games. <laughs> that was it. So that was fifty bucks. Well spent, <laughs> um, but I I don't know. I was never the appeal for the handheld stuff wasn't there because I was getting older and I could start driving. We mm-hmm. we stopped our like family trips. That's why I would play my Game Boy all the time. So I kind of stopped and I started driving more. So I never really got into the whole handheld since I had my own console. So
1: yeah, I I agree. Like the handhelds, I I own them all, but I don't spend a lot of time on them. I. I've. Re- I don't know if I've beat most of the games I have, but I do. I just like having them. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Right, right, like, right. They're right. the like they're these pieces of Nintendo that I want to own, even though they just kind of sit on a shelf. <laughs> that,
0: that's the part I had to turn off because it's like I want this because it's Nintendo. No, I was the same way, but it's like. But I, had to save my I also money.
1: have got most of them on ebay they're used and they were only like 50 60 bucks so i'm not yeah. like super attached to the the one the the 3ds xl that i have i love because it's the super nintendo version oh that's but cool. i also got it um on amazon from like amazon warehouse and it was like half price so i kind of lucked out but like mm-hmm. that's the only one i'm really attached to <laughs> for good reason i mean that's awesome mm-hmm. Um, But that, I think, will wrap this up. We're reaching the hour mark here, and we've got another episode we want to try to record tonight. So, until next time, drink up and geek out.